This is an ABC podcast. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. You want to go where everybody knows your name. The local pub. Is it changing? Is the local publican still there? And does he or she know everybody's name? The Palmer Index is possibly telling us that the pub is changing. Here's just one example. That there's a leading publican in South Australia who believes that the chicken schnitzel, the humble chicken schnitzel, could soon cost as much as $40. So what is that telling us? How hard is it to run a pub? Are the days of the solo publican just becoming a thing of the past? Once upon a time, you might have popped into the pub after work for a drink, but now our drinking habits are changing. Once upon a time, you went to the pub for a cheap meal, but now food prices are pushing up prices for pub owners and many of us can't afford to go out to the pub for a meal. Maybe your local pub has become a fancy gastro pub or maybe it's been sitting empty and locals wanting something to happen to it. So are our pubs changing? Are they disappearing? And does that matter? What does your local pub mean to you and your community? And is it more than just a watering hole? Good morning, Rochelle Hunt with you, your co-host this morning, Ed Gannon, Director of Media Means, the former editor of The Weekly Times. The local pub Ed, it's it's changed dramatically over the last ten years. Every suburb, every corner had one suburbs more some more than others. But I think the days of someone being able to afford to be a solo publican are changing, which is why we're seeing conglomerates buy them up, you know, big business buy them up, and why we're seeing groups of people buy a pub. My question to you is does it matter? Good question. Good question, and good morning. Good um, morning. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, yeah, I'm uh, probably a subject closer to my heart because I've done many, many years of research on on this topic, and I actually find myself going to pubs more nowadays than I did probably ten, fifteen years ago, um, which is quite quite a strange way. Look, it does matter, and and pubs have changed, but we've changed. Mm. You know, you, you alluded to before about our drinking habits have changed. Our culture has changed in relation to particularly things like drink driving mm-hmm. um, and the, that its effect on country pubs. Um, what country pub like? And, I, and I, my, I always think about pubs, and you know, I, I live in Melbourne, but I, I spend a lot of time talking about country Victoria. What it means for a town and, and how it's changed and, and its role in a town, you know. And there was there was always three institutions in a town, and that was the church, mm-hmm. the sporting club, which is invariably the football club. And then the pub, and you find that the uh, the church is not. And generally, the pub is sponsoring the footy club as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the, the church is not what it was once. You yeah. don't get the people going to to church anymore. A lot of towns have lost their their footy clubs. A lot of smaller towns, so that only leaves the pub. So it becomes really important for them, um, you know, and, and it becomes the place to gather, to talk yep. to. But, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of expense, a lot of work in pubs. Oh, as a daughter of a publican, my mum owned pubs later in life. It's relentless and I don't think I would recommend it to anyone. I saw her work 
seven days a week, 16 hours a day. You know, when people leave at midnight or whatever it is, the publican, the staff generally knock off. It's the publican that's doing all the final cleanups, making sure everything's okay, locking up. You're not getting to bed till two, three in the morning. And then you've got deliveries the next day. It all happens. And it's so, everything is so expensive. And I think there is an expectation that the pub is just cheaper, right? You can go to the pub for a midweek meal. But it's not cheap anymore for anyone. A lot of us can't afford to eat out. But then on top of it, food isn't just somehow magically cheaper for a pub than it is a restaurant. Yeah, because it has the name pub on it. It doesn't have the word restaurant on it. So you think, oh, well, it, it is going to be cheaper. But as you say, you have to you have to get the same places. Say, for instance, you're talking about the chicken schnitzel. They're all getting from the same place. Mm. It's all the same cost to buy the chicken. It's all the same energy that's required to, to rear those chickens. It's all the same transport costs. It's all the same energy costs that you need to run a kitchen. It's all the same costs to have staff. And particularly, if you actually want to, say, uh, um, have a quality um, menu, you're going to have to have a really good chef, and you're going to have to pay for them. And and there's a, there's a lot of costs in there that doesn't matter if you're, say, you're a pub or a restaurant. Yeah. The price is going up. And for a, a small community, I think it does play a bigger role. And there's a reason why in times of crisis and trauma, the pub becomes the refuge. And that happens time and time again, especially during fire and flood. This text, says, we live in a small town in central Victoria in Lancefield. Recently, we've had one publican take out the local hotel and it's fabulous. Family friendly, sort of like the old days. Everybody knows everyone and he supports the local community groups. There's a Friday night meet tray there's beer raffles there's bands and events we absolutely love it and we might go into bands a little bit too because that's often where you cut your teeth right well it's it's the only place to cut your teeth i mean you look at you look at all the 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 big bands you look at you know things like a a jimmy barnes or an acdc i mean they all started their their careers in pubs and and it's still happening nowadays i mean they're becoming less and less you 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 see the stories about uh, you know curfews and and resident complaints and whatnot but they're still out there the live venues and so they're they're really important that way as well this a punt at my local pub is 17 dollars, so now one or two is a substantial treat and another saying live music replaced by pokies and screens who wants to connect with that rubbish put alcohol free beer on tap alcohol free spirits they mean by that pokies well look i just i just take my watch so it's 11 past 11 <laughs> so it only took what probably six minutes for the pokies to arrive in the it's conversation a big oh, part it, of this it, 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 it just it dominates i mean i always look at the, the the pokies pubs with pokies are a transactional venue, whereas a, a, a really good pub is an, is an interaction venue. You go there to see people, to talk to people, to, to have a meal together. Whereas a transact a, a pokey is a transaction. So you know the pokies are obviously transaction, and and the the the, the various bettings, um, you know, the artificial horse races they have up on the wall. But also too, they have things like cheap meals cheaper meals because they're subsidised. So you just go there, have the meal and then leave again. It's not a place you sort of hang around. I mean, that's a really generalisation, but you know, that, that, that's what pokies create. But there, you're seeing more and more pubs and publicans now having to really fight, and it's a big deal, especially in small communities, if they choose not to have pubs. We saw a, a publican, a female publican actually, I think it was in Queensland, who bought a pub and pulled the pokies out. 
And that's a rarity these days because it is so hard and the costs are so much that you've got that subsidy for the role at the local pub. It's changing. Does that actually matter to you? This message. The hotel in Rosedale in Gippsland has just reopened after such a long time. And others saying the tradition of having a local pub in each suburb, it died about 20 years ago when it became more profitable to develop them into into apartments instead. Where I grew up on Beach Road, they've all gone. Hampton, Black Rock, Morris, Mentone, Brighton pubs, they're all apartments now. So does that matter? You wanna go where know. This is the Conversation Hour. You wanna go where everybody knows your name. Strangely, that was one of my favourite shows <laughs> growing up. I loved Cheers as a kid, but it says a lot, right? So I grew up as a kid in the 80s and the role of a pub and sitting around a pub and maybe dad not being home and stopping at the pub was maybe more popular in the 80s. I mean, there's even a message here, Ed, that says workers are coming home to their families instead of a drink after work, especially if you've got small children. Both partners are now responsible, not just the women like the old days, like a show like Cheers now would not cut it. No, no. Look, I don't think back to my, my father-in-law and, and he worked in um, Geelong and, and every night he would go, wouldn't to a pub, to a club, but he would he would go there at five o'clock and have you know one or two beers and then go home. And that was that was every night. This was, you know, back in the in the 70s and the 80s. And it just just doesn't happen anymore. Oh. And, and the other thing to think about Cheers, when you, you, you see that show and, and the sitting around a bar like they do, we don't do that in Australia very much. Perhaps we once we once did back in the in the sixties and seventies, but there's not a real sitting around a bar type of thing. It's it's more and chatting to the publican. Right? Yeah, yeah, we don't do that that much now. Well, anymore. Perhaps we once did, but it's it's a different type of. Um, and I'm still amused when you see American shows and they'll walk into a bar just on their own and sit at the bar and start talking to someone and you sort of don't do that. No, absolutely. But the role of a pub, especially in small towns, I think is different to the city. It plays a huge role. And quite often when that pub is either being sold or something happens to it, the community rallies together to make sure that it's saved. I don't know whether that would happen in Melbourne, but John Closey is the chairman of the Sea Lake Hotel Cooperative, a cooperative of locals, John, who some time ago now got together to buy the pub. Why is the pub important to Sea Lake? Um, well, the pub's really important for the whole district, really. It's just not Sea Lake itself. And um, a lot of the smaller pubs around the area have closed. And, yeah, it's a gathering point, virtually. Like the other Friday night, we had a wet... Harvest had a wet day on a Friday and the pub was just packed with young blokes just talking about harvest and just getting together and really having a meal and sitting down and chatting and having a few drinks. That's very, very important for your for your health and your mental health of your whole community. The, inter- the interesting concept is, is mental health because th- those sorts of concepts for harvest, a problem at harvest and you've got nothing else to do when you actually go there, it's really important for those. Because, you know, in those times it's really isolating on a mm. farm and something happens and you can't do anything. To actually have somewhere to go and to, 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 to sit there and talk is, mm. is really important. Yeah, it is. And, and, and they all put ideas to each other and then actually it brings groups of people together like young and old. When, you, when we found when we didn't have a pub, the older generation didn't know the younger generation because they weren't mingling in, a, in an atmosphere where they're all together, only at football or cricket. But if they're sitting in a sitting in a bar or in a restaurant or somewhere, you know, where they can sit and talk and really brings it together and, and they like the older, the 
young ones like to get get hold of the older people and have a chat to them, and it really brings them together and makes them makes it a better community. You know. Do you think John will see more cooperatives? I mean, could you talk us through a little bit about how the cooperative works? Because I don't know whether too many people would be throwing up their hand as an individual these days to say, "Look, I'm going to." take the leap of faith and run a pub and open a, a pub or take over the lease of a pub. But when you spread that fear, <laughs> when you spread that risk across multiple people, how does the cooperative work and what makes it successful? Well, what makes it successful is you've got people who care. That's the main thing. Um, and look, we've, we've got a group of six directors. I'm the chairman. We've got a secretary. Alison's the secretary. And we've got all young community people who are, who are directors, and we change our directors every couple of years to keep it fresh and, and thing. And other people care about the joint. And um, it really works because you just we, we threw in money and everyone's got different different levels, but you only got one vote. So it's not like it's not like a company where the bloke with the most shares gets the most votes. So you've only got one vote. And it, it, it's just shared right across the whole group. We have an AGM and everyone has their say. And, yeah, and it's good. They, they, they all really... They really enjoy it, actually. They, actually. If you can say you actually own a pub, it's not too bad in Australia, isn't it, really? It's a bit like, owning a, a bit like owning a, ra- race co- a racehorse. Um, John, <laughs> can, can people jump in and out of, of the mm. shareholding? Um, they can jump out, but they've got to sell the shares back to the back to the group. So it's got to go, it can't go out of the group. Um, and if we induct any, we've been talking, people have been wanting to invest, so we're at a different share level now, so we... Yeah, we can do it, but it is a lot more, a lot of book work. Yeah. And is there any rules about who can invest? Do you have to be a local, or can you be someone else from outside? No, 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 no. We've got a, a fuel supply from Drysdale that put his money in first up, and we've got next local who's an oncologist in Geelong that put his money in. Wow. And, yeah, and no, people ex locals ringing up, know what chuck some money in, and yeah, gives them a sense of identity. I love it, John. John. How do you keep prices affordable for locals? Because there's a reason why you want to go to the pub for a meal as opposed to a restaurant. The vibe is different, right? The feeling is is different, especially if it's a great pub and a family or community-run pub. But how do you keep the prices down, especially in times like now? You really can't. We try and do our best and we, we absorb probably two or three rises and then we'll have to go up with another rise. But... But since we've been doing it, like work covers doubled this year. Um, um, your insurance, it's just gone through the roof. Like the day triple C should look into that. Yeah. Just, just ridiculous. I hold those thoughts, John, because I think next week we're definitely going to do a show on just rising insurance and why so uh, many people are now becoming almost self-insured. And I say that with inverted commas. Yes, yes. And, and, and look, wages keep going up. So you've got to really keep a handle on it, and 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 um, we've got a group that does that, and we've got one one lady who Alison keeps a real real good um, real good hold on the whole thing. But you've really got to be careful because you if you if you're losing money, you'll end up in the same situation as when you started mm. broke, and the door will be shut. But yeah, everyone understands that you know you've got to make money, and then, yeah, they don't seem to care too much, so it's good. And John, how, how do you go with? Uh, attracting and keeping staff. Where are the staff coming from? Well, we've got a lot of local staff, but we've just, the backpackers have just started to come back. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah they've just started to. Now, the, the trouble with the backpackers too is accommodation. Now, that's the biggest thing in small country areas because um, it, I find it very hard to rent a house in town and um, there's a lot of Airbnbs as well. 
and and we try and try and do our best to get them get them somewhere to stay. And we've got a lot of local with a local manager, so which is good. But yeah, it is very very hard to attract them. You know, but um, we are managing at the moment. But the, it, it, the, believe it or not, Horsham's located where Horsham is. They can have backpackers there that don't have to do an 88 day 88 day because they zone more rural than us. So we've got a backpacker. He's got to do 88 days on a farm. Yeah, you can't right. come and do 88 days in the pub. Yeah, that's got to, things like that have yeah. to change just to make it yeah. more feasible for people. John, we wish you and the entire cooperative um, nothing but the best. Lots of people talking about Judy's in Mount Eliza and she says, I lived in Sea Lake in the late 1950s. There were two hotels that were very well patronised. I had a friend from Nandalay whose parents came to Sea Lake to the pub every Friday night. The pubs were always busy. Whenever I visited years ago, there was reunions and we'd stay at the Royal as as well so we wish you and and all of your staff and everyone on the cooperative a, a safe and merry christmas and new year john yeah thank you same to you take care so what does your local pub mean to you and to your community especially if you're in a small town but if you're in a suburb as well is it a thing of the past to have a connection to the local pub and he says pubs in geelong are being turned into uh, high tables high chairs hard floors noisy atmosphere and they come at a high cost as well i'm with andy right that i know polished concrete i love polished concrete not in my pub. It's too noisy. It's and I'm spend the whole time going what what <laughs> I can't hear you. Yeah, that noise factor is a bigger, a big yes. big issue, and it's bigger than people realise. To go to a place that just just echoes everything, and and also two pubs that play really loud music, like and that, <laughs> so not just in, sound old, yeah, but, <laughs> but not in, not in a band sense. I mean, go for your life because that's what you expected. But they but, but play really loud music that you can't actually hear each other talking. Yeah, but that that echoey that that um, wooden floor and the concrete floor can can become a real um, you know deterrent to people going to there. George Giorgio, who's an independent in Brunswick, has sent us a message and it says, bring in state legislation to prevent developers from turning our pubs into apartments. Will's in Brunswick. Morning, Will. Hello, how are you doing? Good. What did you want to say? Um, I am currently on my bike riding in between Brunswick to Fitzroy where I uh, work. I won't name the place. Um, I run one of the pubs there. I, um, one of the things that uh, Raf was saying earlier just before you went on air and um, you were saying that the public bar is dead and people don't go uh, past for one or two. I know this is an inner city um, pub that I'm talking about, but we have tried to instill a culture in our pub that is extremely neighbourhood, but people will come from anywhere to do it. Mm. And a lot of people pass through and will take an extra 30, 40 minutes on their way home just to sit at that front bar and talk to people from all ranges of life. We have 23-year-old uh people who are going to university coming in and drinking the cheapest lager they can find sitting next to a 67-year-old mm. drinking a Shiraz. And they find common interests and they chat. And we've kind of instilled that in our staff to try and uh, communicate with the punters across the uh, bar and, uh, as they walk past the table and say hello and have a chat, say goodbye as they leave. And we've found that by doing that, it's just like, People flock to the place to just come and say hello. It's sort of almost a thing of the past, Will, isn't it? And I'm glad that it's still alive. But staff are so busy and run off your feet that the the days of actually having time as a staff member, as a publican, like my mum used to run the Lord Newry Hotel, right, in in, down on St George's Road. And that was exactly what you explained, where you'd have someone young, someone old sitting side by side. But if you worked there, you'd also 
be having a bit of a chat as well, whereas now I don't even know whether staff would have time to have a chat, Will, would they? Well, um, I think it's, it's about picking your moments, definitely, but it's also just about the small things. It is about that, that hello that you get when you walk in, and in those cold places that you're talking about that I've been to all throughout this country that have the high top tables, uh, you don't get that hello as you walk in. It's more of a disgruntled, why are you here and what can I get you? Um, whereas out with like that small hello and that bye, goodbye at the end and how's your day been? Tell me something. And a lot of people don't care about you as a bartender. You're there to serve them and help them through the, what they've gone through in the day, what they're going through in life and what they, is going to happen to them in the next kind of week. It's not, you, you're not there to, as, uh, um, your guest is saying, it's not a transactional thing. It's, you know, it's an interactional thing. It's where you're actually trying to have uh, better the community by, you know, mm. making everyone feel included. It's interesting too, Will, thank you. Because now we know so much more, we were referencing, Ed, the 80s, is that you can't use alcohol as a way to wash away the troubles of the day or whatever the sayings were at the time. It's fine. Like I'm not being a wowser, as some people say, oh, well, we've all become wowsers now. That's why we don't do it. But at the same time, we've found better ways to, to wash away our troubles with mm. mental health. But there is something nice if you mm. do it sensibly and responsibly to sit there, have a chat with a stranger, with a yeah. bar man or woman and... We'll, Go on. We'll say at the start of that, we're trying to instill a culture. And I was going to say, how do you instill a culture? But then he answered it by basically saying, we talk to people. We say hello. We say goodbye. And you actually, someone there takes the time. And by having a conversation with one of the, one of the, um, the guests, they might talk to someone else next to them. And it creates this link between the two and off they go before we have a chat in just a moment to david canny who's the president of the australian hotels association this message has come in saying ed triple exclamation point you have to tell the listeners about your brother's pub and how he reinvented it in tanamba there's publicans running through the bloodline here ed gannon <laughs> yeah so my uh, my brother and his partner um uh uh, bought the Tanamba Hotel, and oh, I can't even remember what year it was, and um, and you know basically gutted. Now Tanamba's um, about two hundred and twenty k's east of of Melbourne, um, a farming community. It's a uh, a pub and a shop and an irrigation store and a roundabout. <laughs> um, I remember I took a, someone from Chicago there once, and I said, "I'll show you the I'll show you the town." We walked outside, and I just stood the roundabout and said, "There it is." <laughs> and he bought bought the pub and turned it into a. Destination. So, hotel. what did he do? How did he food. make it? To food. So, food, gourmet food, really um, got in great staff, great chef, and he, um, him and his partner were really good at running one, one sort of ran the business, and one was front of house, and really, really uh, made a point of, you know, as, as Will said, about you know talking to people and welcoming people. How hard was it for them to find and retain staff, especially if it's a small town? Where are they going to live? Yeah, uh, interesting. One, one of the things they used to do was um, they would um, Sunday lunch would be their last. Um, meal, and then they would. The next one would be Wednesday. Um, I think it was Wednesday dinner. So that allowed the staff to, to if they wanted to go back to Melbourne, so they would go back on Sunday after Arvo, and then they'd say Monday, Tuesday, and then come back on Wednesday morning. And so that was a really good way of helping people. 
to retain people and to retain good, um, good, good chefs. Mm. So, but yeah, I mean, they they won a lot of awards. They were well mentioned. They they won pub of the year on a on a radio station in Melbourne that, that's not the ABC. <laughs> and and uh, but they they've since um, sold that um, and uh, and sold it to a couple who's who um, are running it themselves as well. Yeah, and 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 she is the granddaughter of the former um, station master for the Tanamba uh, railway station and uh, and it. Uh, it, um, you know, of course, the, the railway line finished many, many, many years ago. I think it was even prior to when Kennet um, knocked out the, the railway line. So, so it's still association doing, and they're doing doing a fantastic job. Oh, that's yeah. so great! Yeah. So many different opinions on this, and can start to see why it's such an interesting topic. It says in Port Melbourne, when the residents objected to the apartment proposal for the pub, the pub owner said, "Well, if they just went there and supported him when it was a pub, maybe he wouldn't need to do it. So either go to the pub or quit complaining." says John, who's in Mornington. And another that says, I agree with that bar manager who just called you. I'm 32, the pub at the end of my street doesn't actually serve food, it's just drinks only, and 99% of the patrons all know each other. Bar staff know everyone by name. I love it. And that's from April. This is the Conversation Hour. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Rochelle Hunt and Ed Gannon with you, Ed, the Director of Media Means, the former editor of the Weekly Times, just talking about how your local pub has changed and the role and the importance that it does or doesn't play in your community. Dan's in Fitzroy says our local pubs in Fitzroy and Collingwood have been totally destroyed in the last 10 years by suburban tourists. Prices have gone up. The decor has changed. The pool tables are out. There's no more local vibe. Maybe we should be running bus trips for inner city types to go to the pubs in in the outer suburbs, <laughs> the pool table, local vibe, right? So how do you keep it local? How do you keep the vibe? But how do you make money at the same time? Because you need some tourist dollars, maybe, or maybe you don't. I don't know. It, it's the making the money is is the issue. You know, pool, t- pool table is great and it's fantastic and it, and it does and it's another avenue to provide that interaction between strangers and then you start to talk to each other. There's not a lot of money in pool tables. No, there's, that's right, and people, yeah. But maybe it keeps people drinking, but then that's something that's to be contested now as well. David Canney is the president of the Australian Hotels Association in Victoria and Australia. David, we started today's conversation saying that there's a very good chance that the humble chicken schnitzel at your local pub could cost as much as $40 soon just due to the rising cost of living. What does that say for the local pub and the local publican, do you think? Oh, well, good morning, Rochelle and Ed, and uh, where the $40 schnitzel came from, I happened to be at the event in Adelaide on Tuesday, and David Bashir, the state president, was making the point that if costs keep rising and governments keep incurring fees and, and the cost of doing business continues to rise and they don't intervene, then that's what is going to happen. So that was a statement to make a point. We know that pubs are a really affordable option. There is such a diverse offering out there uh, from the, the corner pubs to the bigger metro pubs to, to, the, to the neighbourhoods to the bush. Um, pubs just play such an important role. And our job at the AHA, I'm a public myself, is to keep those costs down so pubs can survive and we're still that affordable option. So, David, what about the, the costs? You talk about the government costs. I mean, the, the, the work cover costs we heard before the, talking about doubling. What, what are the sort of things that are mm. peculiar to a hotel yeah. that you get so, lumbered with? Well, we understand that when there was a wage increase this year, which was fine, we want to pay our people well because we want the best possible service we can offer, and we understand there needed to be a wage increase. But 
with that comes work cover increases and payroll co- tax increases. Council fees continue to go up, food registration fees, our insurance costs and our power costs continue to rise. And what publicans are doing to keep their options affordable is they're absorbing those costs. And there's going to come to a point where you just can't, you need to pass that on. And that's the point that David Bashir was making in that the government's now talking about uh, the wind back of gas in our venues. Now, gas plays an important part in the kitchens of our pubs, in the equipment. There's no electrical uh, equipment in some aspects as far as wok cooking, um, that, that instant heat that gas provides. And the government's this speculation that there's not going to be gas. So the public goes, well, I'm going to have to change all my equipment out of my kitchen. Um, I'm going to have to try and find electrical appliances. And maybe that cost is going to, you know, it, it just deters people from investing in their properties. We want some surety from government. Um, some consistency from government so the pubs can, can continue to trade with uh, with confidence. Are you confident, though, that that will happen, David? <laughs> that well, I'm never overly confident. We've we just got to keep working, and as long as the messaging is loud and clear to the governments, mm. they can't just keep imposing these costs. I've heard some of the other callers talking about, you know, insurance costs are just astronomical. Mm. Power costs are astronomical. I mean, this is just anecdotal, and I'm, this is sort of a question without notice, but are we seeing a rise of, I guess, big business or conglomerates or, or multiple sort of business people coming together to buy multiple pubs because that's one way to wear the cost and to be able to afford it. But the risk is just so great, I would imagine, for sole publicans these days. Are we seeing a decline in that old-fashioned single owner-operator of a pub? There's certainly um, been some buying up and some group purchasing um, going on. But the fact of the matter is the majority of the pubs, the 1,500 pubs across this state, are mum and dad family operations. And that, that's the fact of the matter. They are corner pubs, neighbourhood pubs, community pubs, playing such an important role in those communities, the hub, that social interaction they provide. Um, if, if people haven't found a pub they love, then I just don't think they're looking hard enough because there are just so diverse options out there. And we encourage people to continue to support mm. their pubs so they do survive. So, David, when, when you a new venue opens nowadays, it's invariably a bar or a brewery or a tap house or even a, a distillery. You never hear of a hotel opening. Is there a, a certain restrictions or a certain cases of, to, to open a hotel and call it a hotel? What, what is the sort of... Well, no, that, no, it's not. I mean, that'll depend on the licence type that they operate under. But these things go in, in swings and roundabouts. So you'll see the emergence of the breweries we had a few years ago, you know, corner um, brew houses, and all of a sudden now it's distilleries. But it, it's market. But what I think you've seen incredibly over the last few years is the rise of the pub food, the quality offer that you can get at pubs now at an affordable price at restaurant quality. Um, that's that's a real core of of pub business now is is quality food. Yeah, it was once upon a time it was like get them in for a cheap meal because you're making all the money in drinks, and that just shows how we've changed as society yeah. and where we put our emphasis. Dave, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. David Kenny, see, I'm the president of the Australian Hotels Association here in Victoria and Australia. This is a long text, but I'll, I'll read bits and pieces of it. It says, "Hey, Rochelle and Ed, pubs are a huge part of our family as a meeting place. My father-in-law died 12 years ago at 80 years of age. He was first generation." Irishman who went to the pub every day for his lift strictly just 5 till 7pm my husband goes every Friday night to our local from 5, maybe stays a little longer but it's his mental health time to catch up with his friends yes they drink beer and sometimes more than they should but it is their time and speaking of pub meals, my chums my son chose a pub for his 13th birthday just yesterday for his family dinner, he specifically said no fancy pub meals just traditional food 
So that idea of it sort of being passed down the family line. Let's have a chat to Gurm. I think I've pronounced your, your name correctly. Good morning. Good morning. What did you want to say? Um, I've visited over a thousand pubs around Australia. I've been to 900 in Victoria. That's quite the list. Little, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mark them all on Google Maps and I um, rate them to myself um, and decide which ones I'll go back to and which ones I won't. These include Tanambra and Sea Lake and Lansfield, where I was just on the weekend. Um, oh, you were there on the weekend. Was, there you go. So, yeah. what rates a good pub? Like, what's on your what's on your tick list? It's the things that everybody's been saying so far in the last half hour. So, if a place is a hub of the community, that's the kind of place that I like to go to, where you do see the locals um, coming in and chatting with one another. Sometimes in small towns, and in some suburbs still, you will see. Um, the um, the players for the local football team listed on a piece of paper on the side of the yeah. um, the bar, um, so that's where people go to um, to meet and discuss things. But I tell you one thing that's really really um, noticeable, and that is those places which are run by publicans, as opposed to those that are you have a venue manager of a large corporation. Yeah, because the one of them is doing it as a vocation. Yeah, and they see themselves as a as an important person in the community. The other one is just extracting money. How often are you? seeing noticing a publican though as opposed to the venue manager who is managing something that is owned by you know a major supermarket for example well i see both every every week um but it's what you've been saying is true the further away you are from the city the more likely you are to still have a community pub partly because the communities are isolated from the next one um but it is harder and harder for those places to make money that's true there's no doubt about it but you know someone was saying that um People from Fitzroy should be getting together and doing tours of um, country <laughs> areas. Well, I actually do that. I actually get together little uh, mini buses of my friends and take them on a you know a ten pub pub crawl um, around country areas, and they they go to visit all these places. And what Great. a sensible way to do it as well. You just remind me. Thank you so much for your call. That I saw down um, at Phillip Island, there was a it's actually a tavern, a little pub, but nice community feel. And I saw that they've got a courtesy bus. Yeah. And I hadn't seen one of those since I was a kid, I don't think. And that idea of, yes, we know now that we don't drink and drive. Um, so how do you protect and look after your patrons? But I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a courtesy bus. I loved it. Yeah, this, you, the, you do see them around. Um, there, are, there are places that, that have the courtesy bus. Because you've got to think about, you know, in, in, in rural areas where you do live in live out of town, how do you get in? If they actually want you to come in and, and have, a, have a night there and have a few beers, well, there's always got to be to someone to drive. Actually, works a lot better to to, to do it that and way. That, and because it, that you pay, you start to think about the cost of a taxi or an Uber, and you think, no, I can't afford this. Right, I'm not going out. It's just too expensive. Yeah, bring back the courtesy and, bus. And I the, say, yeah, if nothing the, else comes out of this, Shane Burke is a publican. He's a publican along with his wife of the Apsley Border Inn Hotel. Shane, before we get into why you bought a pub, can you tell us where the idea came from to buy the Apsley Border Inn Hotel? Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Michelle. Uh, from you. <laughs> <laughs> Could you go into detail, please, Shane? So I was uh, working away, listening to the radio, and uh, Cynthia came on the radio on the combo hour, and I heard her passion for Apsley, the pub, the shareholders, and uh, I looked up 
it took me a little while because I wasn't spelling it correctly because it's A-P-S-L-E-Y. But anyway, I found it. And we came up on the following Saturday and made Catherine have the day off work. She was a bit amused. Uh, we got to Horsham and I think her distance um, radar was up because it was a fair <laughs> way from Cheltenham. <laughs> <laughs> and it was another hour and about 20 minutes out to Apsley and the South Australian borders 10Ks. And we met Cynthia and Laurie close and uh, the rest is history. See, I knew that we were a big influence on the conversation hour, but the fact that we convinced you to buy a pub, Shane, is next level. But I absolutely love it. I feel like there should be a cocktail named after the conversation hour. Is that okay? Yes, we'll bring that on the menu once <laughs> we open again. <laughs> now, we'll get to why you actually had to shut, because that's another story within itself. But what's it like? I mean, had you ever been a publican before? Had yourself and your wife, Catherine, ever been publicans before? No. Uh, Catherine comes from a... Um family where they'd had restaurants and been in hospitality and I'd worked in hospitality for a long time as a kid all in pubs just behind the bar so that was the sort of breadth of our experience. Shane what was the thing when you got there and you took it over that you thought oh wow I didn't expect to to come across this what was what was that thing? I think Cynthia's smile sucked us into stuff (laughs) (laughs) and it was the warmth of um just her and Laurie and the keenness. Look, it was priced right. It was priced that way for a reason, but we could afford it. We could see what the potential was. And we were able to, in five months, have the pub functioning as it should be. And how did locals, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're from Cheltenham. It's a fair way from uh, the border there in Apsley. Did, did you have to win over the locals a little bit, Shane? You kind of do, but I think it's down to your personality. All of the things in I've listened like in the preamble to this from all the other speakers, they're all true, and it's you've got to project um, that warmth and make make the place uh, inviting. It doesn't have to look, you know, cutting edge or fantastic. It's just got to have a warmth about it, and people will recognise that. So once that sort of happened and I'm sure, look, there's a lot of judgment when things first happen, but you knock down those barriers. Yeah. But once you first opened, Shane, there, I mean, you just said then you're reopening, so there was actually a bit of drama and it, it didn't all go to plan, did it? Well, no, the opening did. So the, so we purchased the pub uh, in early 2022 and we took it over in July 22. And by... Um, sort of the end of September, October, and all through November, the pub was doing very, very well. Like the numbers stacked up, everything that we thought the pub would would happen. But on the 28th of November at 5.30am, unfortunately, a um, someone driving fell asleep with the cruise control on and went straight through the pub. And since that point, we haven't traded Gosh, and when are you due to... And um, the person driving was okay? All three of them got up and left. Great. So, yeah. So that, look, that was you. the other thing. No one died. No, it isn't great for us, but what, it's been a long road. Insurance isn't easy. We had a builder. We've decided to do it ourselves. So we, in real terms, probably won't open again until the middle of next year. Wow. So that'll be 18 months. But 
the support still from the community, the local towns, is fantastic. And we don't have any doubts whatsoever that once we open, things will be, you know, fine. First, like I reckon we're going to have to make a trip to Apsley in the middle of next year for that grand opening yeah. show. Well, I feel slightly responsible, right, Shane, that you bought the pub because of this program. I feel like I should be there for yeah. grand opening number two. <laughs> we'll make sure you get an invite. <laughs> Take care, Shane. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. Lots of love Thanks for, for your interest too. No problems. I, I feel quite bad that we convinced him to buy a pub and then he's been shot for about a year and a half. Yeah, I, do, I do remember that accident. And, uh, yeah, that was, was <laughs> terrible circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Doing, but, I mean, yeah, yeah the, 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 the trying to cope for that period, 18 months of closing, I mean, it's, it's not easy. Gavin in Richmond says, I've just spent the last five days photographing historic pubs in regional Victoria for an up-and-coming book next year. There's many more road trips to go, though. It's a tough gig. And, Ed Gannon, lots of people talking about, and I know you and I spoke about this off-air, and my mum was so passionate about this, the size of meals and the amount of wastage. That people saying chicken schnitzels and chicken palmas are just gigantic. Gigantic. They're too big. And there was a push at one point for pubs to not serve the side salad on their parmigiana. There was outrage, right? But so many kitchen hands and wait staff were just spent their times scraping that salad into the food waste bin. So something like, and it's not cheap. Salad's not cheap. But the thing is with a, with a salad is that a, a, a customer, and this is my theory, expects to see that on their plate. It makes the meal look like a meal, even if they're not going to eat it. And then if you don't put it on there, they feel like they're being ripped off. Well, where's the rest of the meal? And, you know, it's just a, it's just a palmer and some chips. But the majority of us are only eating the palmer and the chips. Yeah, I know. We've just got to have a stern it, talk to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is that concept of, oh, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good meal because it's got all the bits on it. So I think that, that there's a little bit of psychology in there somewhere. Oh, no, Cherry, Sherry says here, many pubs now have a roast on weekends and that's the only meal because of the cost. I wonder if that's something people could get their heads around to say, okay, well, if you go to your, you go to your local pub on the weekend for a roast and that's all that's available. Yeah, and that, and that's okay as long as as long as it's known and it's a good it's a good roast and people and it's quite interesting. I mean, you you do go to pubs nowadays and you actually struggle to find a roast for it. So actually, to have a roast is an attraction. One thing about the meal size, I mean, I know I know what you mean about the really big meals, yeah. but there's also to the converse when you do have a meal. So you know, it's a it's a steak night or a parma night or whatever, and you get there and it's the world's smallest steak. On there, and you've got to think. Well, this is what they usually serve. It is actually, if you go there another night, it actually is a, a decent sized steak. And I mean, it's hard to make a parma smaller, but there's a lot less chips on there, and probably not your salad as well. But you know, it, 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 you've got to be really careful as a as a pub owner to not skimp on those mm-hmm. special nights to harm your reputation for other nights. And lots of people talking about how far they'll travel and when they go, they like to go to the local pub and, and chat with locals. So for regional communities, but then I actually thought it would just be the regional communities that find this important. But what I've actually learned from today, it's the connection in the suburbs that's really important as well. But Ben Groundwater is a travel writer for The Age. He's the author of Ultimate Food and Drink in Australia. Ben, how important are pubs to tourism, to small towns and to our suburbs, do you think? I think they're really important, really. I think there's a really big desire for travellers, particularly Australian travellers, maybe not so much overseas travellers who are, who are coming to the country, but Australian travellers to connect with country towns, with regional areas, 
And, and a really easy way to do that, a really familiar way, is to go to the local pub. And, and, you know, there are places out there that are destinations in themselves that drive tourism to a town because people know you can go to this beautiful old pub and mm. have a great meal and have a, have a cold beer and, and kind of feel like you're, you're part of that community for a little while and understand what it's all about. And Ben, there's always there's always the problem when you drive into a town and there's say two or three pubs, which which is yeah, a good one. Yeah, which is a good one. <laughs> you just you do, it's, you about, it's very it's very difficult to tell it from face value because you know one of these pubs is the good one, yeah. and one of these ones is, is just going to be filled with with screens and, and people betting and and all that sort of stuff. And you need to figure out which is one and which is the the horrible one that I really don't want to walk into. Which is really important that that pubs have a reputation beyond their beyond their town and you know i've used the example of my 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 brother's pub that when he had it was a was a destination but was the only pub only pub in town but it was a destination pub it was was known as a place to go to so that's really important as well yeah it is and and we're starting to see a lot of country pubs or that some at least who are starting to revamp their menus and and you know elevate their food get chefs in make it a little bit more um make it a little bit a little bit higher quality i suppose to try to attract people who are coming from out of town and and it does really work you know there are places particularly in regional victoria which are very easily accessible from melbourne but but around the country there are places that are suddenly really amazing really good quality food that's the palmer Mm. and the chips and the salad it's it's a whole lot of other things as well that's driving people to go to those places just to experience that well we've seen many pubs that are along the the solo that the silo art trail that probably would have been pubs that would have maybe laid empty and gone to rack and ruin but are now seeing up to you know sort of 300 cars in a day on a weekend because there's a reason to go and people are a part of that trail there's so many memories that are coming up ben a texas just come in saying some country pubs still have the salad and bread station where you can add how much salad that you like i couldn't tell you i think there used to be one in cows in phillip island where they had the salad and the bread station i don't know whether the food and hygiene you know whether conjures images of a cruise ship doesn't it <laughs> that would get it across when you head to a to a pub ben groundwater what are you ordering what's what's your are you a palmo are you a steak are you a specials man I, I am a sucker for a palmer, I've got to say. I, it's it's reliable, you know. You know what you're going to get. I, I, you know, I love pasta. I love steak. I, I love all sorts of different, you know, curries. But you're kind of like, oh, if they do a good one here, I'm not really sure. But a palmer is, is solid. It's always going to be pretty good. And particularly if you if you have a place that does good chips, amazing. I'm one of these people who likes to have a salad Same. as well as you add, just to, just to, you know, feel like I'm getting a rounded meal, even though I'm not really going to touch it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a palmer guy, I think. Ben, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Ben Groundwater, no, travel writer with The Age, author of The Ultimate Food and Drink in Australia. I actually haven't asked you, Ed Gannon. What, are you a Palmer man? Well, uh, uh, just as Ben was telling that story, the, the other I've day... I've a huge craving for a Parmesan <laughs> right now, by the way. <laughs> the other day, it was, um, I was somewhere and I had a Palmer and, and then my son was somewhere else and he sent a photo of a, he was having a Palmer and then at home they'd got a pizza but they'd also got a takeaway Palmer as well. So there was three different things in our family we were all having palmer on the same day completely unrelated that's like no. a little bit of magic yeah right there. well yeah a little bit weird so yes i'm not just a palmer person we're a palmer family i'll never forget when the conversation hour went on the road during the black summer fires and we stayed and broadcast from the Bucken caves hotel the Bucken yes. caves pub not only do they have a palmer they have a palmer menu where there's something like 20 different styles of 
Can I just say something to you? Nacho Parmigiana. Yeah, Hayfield, Hayfield's got one of those as well at the moment, so yeah. yeah. Nachos <laughs> on your Parmigiana. <laughs> it took me, I convinced my colleague at the time, Kristen Silver, who's reading our news at the moment, he was on the road with us. I, I was too scared to order it myself, but I made him order it, and it was an absolute treat. But that was the reason why we were at that pub, and it was full of local firefighters, of people who had lost their homes, of people who had come together to check in and to see. And we witnessed people see people for the first time and know that they were okay. And I saw the same thing during Black Saturday as well. And I spent times in so many different pubs and slept in so many different pubs. And you would often see people reunite and be like, oh, my God, you're alive. It's the place where you don't need an invitation. It, it's open to all. It's public. And nowadays, it's, it, the, the pubs are not that old bloke-dominated drinking at the bar type of thing. They are a, a centre. A really good pub is a centre where you can all turn up in those sort of circumstances and the community will be there. I wonder whether we will see more cooperatives as well over the years, like we saw in Sea Lake, and lots of people talking about um, travelling to Sea Lake to go to that pub. And as insurance gets higher, as work cover gets higher, whether we will start to see community members and like the Apsley pub, we spoke to Shane and you know his partner Catherine have bought that, and people were talking about. Actually, I grew up in Apsley. It says we haven't lived there for thirty years, but once you've been an Apsley resident, you know that you're actually there. Everybody keeps track of everyone. I've loved hearing about the pub over the recent years. I wish them all the very best. That idea of even maybe 30 years later buying into a pub in a town because of that connection. Yeah, there's that and there's also too, there's a, there's a, 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 a younger generation who are keen to take on these things and they're not traditional pubs, they're alternative pubs and alternative venues and they're in old, old historic buildings, they're, they're breweries because they're into craft beer. So there is that as well that there, there's a lot of lot of younger and there'll always be a younger generation come through and they want to do things a little bit different and you're seeing that in, in, in regional towns as well that they're actually creating those places. Yeah. Lynn says, once you qualify for the seniors menu, the meals are really good sizes. How often have you looked at a menu and gone, oh, that looks all right? And then I realise I'm reading from the seniors menu. Or the kids menu. I'm pretty close. (laughs) I like the kids menu sometimes too. Yeah, you're not allowed to go there. You know, you can't go there either. But then you see kids menus take off. Do you think that the the future of the pub is safe, Ed? You mean publicans run through your family, solo publicans... Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they are safe. There, there will always be a place for them. There, there's not towns don't support the amount of of pubs that they once did. But there's maybe one pub in town rather than say three. But if it's properly done, and you know, I, I'm, I'm biased, but as, as long as there's no pokies in there. Yeah, I mean that comes into the conversation around RSLs yeah. as well, footy clubs. Yep. And I think there has been a pushback against pokies and whether or not there's a place for them. In any of our community centres. Yeah, I remember there was a, a pub in North Melbourne once, and it had a, a sign at the sign where we're taking out the the um, uh, pokies and we're installing atmosphere. Yeah, well, well, and that's the difference too, isn't it? To make sure that 
everybody feels welcome there as well. Yeah, and it is and it is about atmosphere. It's about people walking in and, and you know, you can have a good meal, have a beer, but you meet someone, meet someone good behind the bar, but also to perhaps meet someone you can just chat to as a stranger. I feel like I need to jot down all of the texts that we haven't been able to read out today. People are mentioning different places, like shout out to this pub and that <laughs> pub and this is the best pub I've ever been to. I feel like we could go through and make a list of all of the great pubs that we could visit across Victoria just by the texts that have been sent through. But it's actually inspired me to uh, to go and visit my local pub. Order a steak. I'm always a steak girl. Steak, yeah. Steak, because I can't cook steaks well at home. I order something I can't eat at home. So I generally go a steak. Ed Gannon, as always, thank you. This is probably our last chat for this year. So thank you for all your time this year. And, you know, have a, a wonderful Christmas and New Year. And same to you. I'll be back with you tomorrow and tomorrow we're talking the importance or not of ATAR results. Take care. Speak soon.